Hey, this is Jim Duncan with Nest Realty and Sweat the Details. This week, Keith and I were joined by Nest's storyteller, content manager, and editor-in-chief of the Nest magazine, Jasmine Bible, and Natalie Papier, a professional interior designer who recently moved from Chicago to Charlotte. We talked about interior design in the time of COVID, where her passion for design began, her move from Chicago to Charlotte, and her path to opening her own design firm. This is the first in a series of podcasts based on design. Hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Jim Duncan with Nest Realty. It's with the details. Sitting here with uh, Natalie Papier, uh, our guest this week, and we are bringing on Jasmine Bible and Keith Davis, uh, my partner at Nest. And we're here to talk about design and uh, colors and all sorts of manner of things associated with real estate and not real estate. Uh, so, Natalie, give us a, a brief background on who you are, what you do. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, um, especially given how much time I'm spending around small children. It's nice to talk to adults. <laughs> um, so I am an interior designer. Um, the name of my company is HOMAC, and I recently relocated from Chicago to Charlotte in January, right before this epic pandemic. So I'm just finding my new footing here and understanding what the new normal looks like. So how long have you been, how long have you been doing this? Interior design? Yeah. Uh, I've been in the business now for four years. As soon as my daughter went into kindergarten, I just felt this pull towards something. And it kind of was just an organic process that happened. Um, I have an art background. And after a while, I didn't have time to paint. So my house became my new canvas. And at a certain point, this started getting some appreciation from friends and family. And I thought maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this as a job. And surprisingly so, or maybe not surprisingly, it's it's worked out rather well for me. So what what, what, what was the draw from, uh, from Chicago to Charlotte? Well, my husband works for a company, Nuveen, which is based in Chicago, and they incorporated TIAA, which is down here in Charlotte. So he was working down here quite a bit more. And he really liked the team he was working for. And I think we were both kind of feeling ready for a change and maybe no more polar vortex winters and, <laughs> you know, a little bit more outdoor time and space. And I mean, uh, it's been pretty ideal. This weather in general just makes me feel like a thousand times more sane. Yeah. Mid-Atlantic mid has, has a bit more temperate climate. Um, if you and if you've made it through your first summer in Charlotte, then then you're good on the, the humidity and heat that we will, because it, it definitely will be. It's you know you do have you may not have the wind and the cold in the winter, but you do have you do have the North Carolina summer. So, oh for sure, and I think my vitamin D deficiency has like now I can't not be outside. Yeah. I have right. like FOMO if I'm inside the house. So we were talking yesterday, Natalie. God bless. Excuse me. <clears throat> 303, Dave. Um, <clears throat> so we were talking yesterday, Natalie, about how you go into uh, your clients' homes and repurpose spaces. Uh, have there been any that you've gone in that really jump out at you as one that you walked in and, and immediately had a feel for how you envisioned that space that your clients could not see? I think the one reason why I feel pretty confident in what I do um, is because I can see that vision pretty quickly. Um, it's not always what people would expect. What do you mean? <laughs> it's, what do you mean? I think sometimes I come in and I'm like, okay, oh, this has so many possibilities. 
And then I say it out loud and people look at me and they're like, whoa, whoa, that's blood. I'm not sure, not sure how I feel about that. And then, you know, through this transformation of bringing their own personality into a space and finding what inspires them and making their home reflect that is, it's a beautiful thing. So Natalie, let me, well, I presume, go ahead, Jasmine, sorry. Sorry, Keith. Um, Jasmine Bible here, who I'm the storyteller and editor of Nest Magazine, popping in on this podcast to join you guys talking all things design. Um, So Natalie, do you think that because you have such a maximalist layered textured approach to your design, that those are the clients that are gravitating towards you? For sure. I mean, if you're really into minimal Scandinavian bare bones style, you're probably not going to call me. And that's okay, because there is a place for all different kinds of designers and I find myself really drawn right. to more. Right, so the clients coming to you are probably colorful. ready. Yeah, they're ready to make that leap, and that's why they're coming to you. <laughs> they are, and I think they're ready now, especially given how much time that we're spending in home, that our homes need to be a place of joy and happiness. Yeah, I mean, have you seen this space of, you know, we're, we're all living in our homes a whole lot more now. Um have you, are there any notable repurposing of spaces that you've, that you've seen or that you've done that sort of jumps out as that was something that, you know, the client, I mean, I, you know, you matter in the, in the process as well, but the client, they said, holy cow, Natalie, we, we never would have done this and our lives are better because of it. You know, it's interesting because a lot of, I would say the newer homes now have what is, you know, traditionally called formal spaces. And nobody's living this formal lifestyle anymore. It's all about utilizing all the spaces in your house and how can it function better for you? And especially now that we're all home and the kids are doing their schoolwork here, it's like, how are we using these rooms? Are we sitting in this formal room and entertaining? No, we're not. So let's think about how we can better utilize the spaces that we have. Um, Even... Back in Chicago, we had clients that had formal dining rooms and they had the eat-in kitchen and they had this nice family dynamic happening and they never used their dining room. So what do you do with that space? And a couple times, three times actually, we've changed a dining room space, a formal dining room space into being more of a lounge area where you can listen to music or read. It can be more of an office type situation or multifunctional. So you can sit there, read a book, listen to music, get some work done, whatever your needs are at that given moment. Yeah. So Keith, you had, you had a question earlier that if you could revisit about the, the, the photography that she does. Well, I think, you know, Nellie, one of the, one of the things that I was just looking through as we were kind of preparing to talk with you is obviously Instagram is a huge part of your business. It's a, it's a way that you can advertise past clients. It's a way that you can, you know, make proposals, if you will, to new clients in terms of introductions to your work and your style. And I think one of the things that I found most fascinating was that we do photography every day in real estate. We, our, our goal tends to be to maximize space size appearance. It's to, to make things obviously appealing, but it's, it's really to, it's to showcase the size of the volume of spaces in a lot of, a lot of times. And I think what's interesting is that we tend to shoot from angles. We tend to do a diagonal shot across a room that, that gives us the greatest length or, or width of, of the room. Whereas 
when your design work is being done and what I'm seeing on your Instagram feeds, on your websites, you really take kind of a head-on approach of the photography. And I just wanted to ask you kind of why that, you know, why that angle, why that direction, what is, what kind of drives that? Is there a reason for it? Is it just that's the best feel for the, you're trying to accent a piece? How does that come in to your work? You know, it's interesting because I don't think I've ever been asked that question before. And it's really given me pause. Why do I do that? And I think artistically, it's about framing a shot and getting kind of this moment on camera. Um, And maybe that's like just a little glimpse of highlighting art and then the ceiling in artistic approach. Um, But also I find that even when I'm in someone's home, we're looking for those cozy spaces. We're looking, you know, not to just sit in a vast room, um, but just to have these cozier moments. So for me, it's maybe a little bit of an artistic photography style and maybe part of it to me just symbolizes a cozier moment. So are you, so let me ask though, you know, because you had said something in an earlier statement that, that made me take a note on this, but I'm also, my eyes are very much drawn to the statues behind you and your, and I, I wish we, I wish in many ways, I wish this podcast were being done in a visual. So, so our listeners could, could see it also, but clearly within the design element, you're trying to create a, a, a focal point in every room, right? I mean, right. right. So do those focal points tend to come from, existing client pieces? Do they tend to be things that you find for spaces? How do you approach, how do you begin that, that process? I think Jasmine can relate here too, that sometimes it comes from a certain piece of art or something that's meaningful to someone. And it's about taking that and maybe pulling a color palette from it or finding a way for it to be better featured in the space. So if you have one inspiration, you can pull from that a thousand different ways. You can use those colors and paint a ceiling or bring in more interest that ends up highlighting that piece more. I think a lot of people are like, well, that's too much happening. And then you're not going to see that piece anymore. And for designers, it's about highlighting those pieces in a way that feels more cohesive, but also just a little bit more interesting. So is there, you know, I tell my clients when I'm representing buyers that when they move into a new home, I, I tell them to, to live there for six, nine, 12 months to get a feel for the home, for how that space is, how they're going to live there. And you have the vision, you know, clearly uh, you have the vision to, to execute. Do you have pushback if you go into someone's house and say, and you say, okay, well, it's, you know, three days after closing, you should do this. Or do they, or, you know, what, what, is, that, what is that experience like with you and your client base? It's, I think a lot of people want immediate gratification in this world, right? Like I want it to be done. I just want it to be done. I want to love it and I want it to be done, but it's such a process. And I try to tell people that to enjoy the process of it. Yes. Live in your house. What do you like about it? What, what, what gives you joy in this space? What do you hate about this room? Like those are questions that pose first before you just jump in and be like, okay, let's paint the walls blue. Why are we painting the walls blue? It's about understanding both their personality and the pieces that you have and how that room is functioning. So you're right in telling people like, give it a minute and see how you're using the space. Now for me, I gave this a hot second before I got in and started (laughs) painting everything because... That's another level of crazy. 
that's a designer brain. You can't turn it off. You get in there and you're immediately like, oh, this and this and this. I love what you just said, though. That's, you know, and for Nest Magazine, we interview designers all the time. And I've never heard the approach of going into a space and first asking the client, what do you love about this space? What do you hate about this space? But that's such a brilliant starting point. You can Pinterest and Instagram away these rooms that have no relation to the space that you're standing in. So first evaluating your own actual space is just such a brilliant starting point. And there's a lot of elements to that. It's like, what kind of lighting does this room get? What is the mood you're looking for here? I mean, it's more than just make it a pretty room. It's got to appeal to all the senses. And I think that also ties back into Keith, your earlier question about photography. For Natalie, you know, the the head on poses that she's that she's offering are visual storytelling, right? She's telling about all those moments in the photo, all those eclectic pieces, vintage, brand new, for the taken from the homeowners homeowners existing collection with different layers of patterns and textures and things. So there's so much to each of those frames. Where I think for real estate, often the room is either staged or empty. Right. And if you took a straight on picture of a wall, it would just be the most boring thing to look at. So I think it also just, you know, it, it doesn't serve the purpose to take those dramatic head-on shots unless you were standing in a house that had multicolored ceilings and different textures and things. Do you have clients with whom you are engaged for years? I mean, tell me about that process and that timeline. I can't imagine it's a two-month process. Years, perhaps? I think that has been the most fun for me. And what I have found uh, has worked best for me and my clients is like, you get in their house and they have a need. And then you start to know them and you start to know them pretty personally. It's their home. Like, how do you use these spaces? Oh, this is art you have. This is from your family, generations passed down. And you get to know them and you get to know their personality. And it becomes a process of like really personal relationship where they want to continue this relationship with you, not just to make their house pretty, but you've, you've like kind of delved deep down into their psyche and what what their needs are and then it translates into transforming their home into this place of haven for them have you ever had a client design a space and then ask and then come back to you and say you know what we're not using it the way we thought we were can you come back and redesign it a second time that has not happened yet. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny because my the, I, I take it a different way, which is, you know, how often you have clients who who call you in to redesign the public spaces in their house, and then realize, wow, we love this. Now we have to have the other rooms done as well, right? That there's yeah. now a disconnect of how incredible space A is, but B now doesn't quite, right. doesn't quite blend. And that's the best because once we've already established that relationship and did a really cool room that they're happy with, it's super easy to continue that on even more so because you've already set the foundation in one room. So it's about bringing that cohesion throughout. And then they trust you and your wild ideas. <laughs> and all my crazy ideas keep getting crazier. <laughs> then they let me live. So on that though, what, what's a what's a crazy idea that? So two things. What what's a crazy idea that your clients loved, and what's a crazy idea that they said, "Yeah, no, that you do that in your own house." <laughs> well, I think Jasmine can relate to the painted ceiling things. I think once a client sees, like, "Oh my gosh, wow!" Like you can just add color there. I would have never thought of that. And. 
it becomes something unique and just funky fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, you know, we, we talked about yesterday. We were prepping for this a little bit. You know, the the stories of dead space. You know, a lot of the houses we have in today's world um, are just dead spaces. You walk in, there's no way to use it. And you mentioned earlier making a, a dining room into a lounge. What are some other dead spaces that you see commonly that you go in and you you immediately say, "I have a solution for that." The 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 most obvious dead spaces are formal front rooms and formal dining rooms. Like those are just always kind of useless spaces. Um, really that tends to be the two biggest spots that aren't used because everybody has either some kind of den or basement where everything gets thrown in and that's where the kids play. So that's useful. It might not always look pretty, but the areas that people want to look pretty and they want to, you know, utilize are always kind of on that first floor public space area. Are there any trends that you see coming? Well, and I don't know the answer to this question. Um, are there any trends that in Chicago you tried to translate to that Charlotte that were accepted there? I mean, I don't know how designed, you know, how they, how geographical it is. You know, it's, it's, Interesting, because I think the house a lot of the time dictates a little bit of what you do. You have to take in consideration the bones and the character of the house. And, you know, I was in an old Victorian, so a lot of the houses back where we were were these period homes. And talk about formalness, you know, nobody wants to live in a stuffy Victorian anymore with all this heavy woodwork, and especially when everything right now is about light and bright. But there's a way to respect the bones and have them even more so highlighted by doing smart things design-wise around it and bringing in modern elements. And that is my favorite combination where it's like you get that little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, and that makes for magic. And then it never becomes a trend or dated because you're using all these different styles and you're not trying to just do what's on trend, you know, in 2020, you're respecting the bones of the house, which are 1886, and you're bringing in all these pieces from your life. And then you might be bringing in some modern touches of like, okay, well, pink is really on trend. I'm finding these cute pink pillows everywhere. So, so Natalie, go ahead, buy all the pillows you want. Those are easy. Groups. So, Natalie, let me <laughs> ask you though. I mean, in terms of of that transition from Charlotte from Chicago to Charlotte. Um, architecture is a very different, you know, there's obviously both have a pretty broad, varied time period, but North Carolina really grew during the tobacco baron eras of, you know, early 1900s, lots of the architecture pre world war II um, kind of design. And that has translated to continued, even the new construction today kind of mimics the revivalist architecture of the, of the thirties versus Chicago, which is, you know, has much more contemporary architecture along with the Victorians, along with a higher Tudor piece. Tell me, how has your design style changed with that? Or what is, do you, do you tend to work with the older homes? Do you tend to work in new construction? Is Has that shifted for you from Chicago to Charlotte? Um, there has been a little bit of a shift. And I would say the reason why is like exactly what you just kind of tapped in on is the houses that I was in, this era of houses and these older Tudors and Victorians and four squares, they're room by room by room. There's not this open floor plan that you see with all these newer build homes. In Charlotte, I'm noticing a lot of these homes 
they're mimicking that old architecture, but the inside is more conducive to this like open floor plan right. that seems to work best with families. And it really is, you have to be very thoughtful about designing in those kind of spaces because everything flows together. So it has to become something of a cohesion and it's almost never like, let's work on the kitchen. It's like, let's work on this kitchen breakfast nook family room because they all connect and speak to each other. So are you finding... So maybe that makes me even busier. So are you, are you oh, finding yourself right. working with more newer, and when I say newer, I don't mean 2020 construction, but, you know, post-2000 construction work in, in Charlotte, or are you kind of more working still with the older, just older homes that have been opened up over the years? This is what I, this is what I find the most exciting is because the architecture here is so all over the map. I get to be in so many different kinds of style sure. houses now. That is really fun. Like there's a house in my neighborhood that it's this European very grand feeling home. And then I'm working in like a really cute family ranch down the street. That's more mid-century modern. So it, it is, it never gets boring because these aren't cookie cutter suburban houses. Some of them are, but when you live in a place like Charlotte, that's just grown through the years or any kind of bigger city, you're getting different eras of homes. And with that, you're just seeing so many different styles. Do you have a couple go-to tricks for when you do enter a home that is void of architectural interest? What are kind of your first first grand ideas of, of how to elevate them? There's always ways to add interest, right? Um, but one of my favorite is like if you have a very boxy house, you don't even you don't need to fancy it up with like this molding on the walls. If that doesn't suit the house itself, you can always play with things like wallpaper and paint and layers and not have to, but bringing in vintage is always going to bring in character. So I make sure that that is always at the forefront of it too. What is a trend that you would like to see die? Oh God. Can we just be done with the eighties? All this like eighties revival <laughs> stuff. I'm like, I can live that. It's probably on my parents' thought when I'm like getting all this sixties, seventies stuff. But yeah, I will say it that is fascinating. The things that we found atrocious are suddenly all of the rage. <laughs> I just I I like trends for I there's always something I like about a trend. There's always some little piece or color scheme that is like attractive and fun to play with. But I just I cannot stand when anybody goes whole hog into it because you are dating yourself immediately by doing that. Like just bits and pieces, sprinkle it around. I, I will say, I mean, within this, this is not necessarily the design side. This is the real estate sales side. But within the trends that we see, I, I just want to like strangle every agent who says a tract house that happened to be built in 1955 is not a mid-century modern. Like clamshell molding around a window with no... Uh, with, with absolutely no depth to it whatsoever is not a style that we want to accentuate. Um, and so I just, I do laugh at when, when certain terms make their way into the real estate portfolio that just don't make sense on an architectural style. And, and we steal them and we use them and we try and, Oh, it's a rancher. No, it's mid-century modern. It doesn't, it, it doesn't fit, but. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jim. Uh, no, so Natalie, it's it's um, it's it's fascinating here your your different perspective between Charlotte and Chicago. Uh, is, is there one thing that you again? It's 
Is there one thing that you've really found that you love about the architecture of, Chicago, of, of Charlotte that you see consistently that you've been able to implement your design style? Uh, you know, that is, I felt like there's a lot more consistency where it was outside Chicago because there was just all these, there was like basically four different style homes and right. a lot of them were historic. So had to be preserved to a certain point um, instead of knocking a house down and building a new monstrosity. It was more about preserving these older homes. And mm-hmm. here I feel like because it's constantly just expanding and expanding, there's all these little pockets of like these plantation style homes, or I think the traditional Southern house from what I have seen is like that white plantation style, black shutters, very classic. I love it. I mean, I think it's beautiful, but in my house is kind of white and black on the inside, but my whole point is you can, your house doesn't need to like show off from the outside. It can look nice and fit right in the neighborhood. But when you come in, you can be like, Oh, unexpected. Yeah. There was there was a fabulous architect that I, I worked with many years ago in Richmond who said his dream was to find somebody whose house was – who came to them because their house had been destroyed by some disaster, either fire or something, that, that had a beautiful lot in an old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And his goal was to build a house that was a 1935 – gorgeous Greek revival or, uh, you know, some form of, of Georgian revival home, but that as soon as you walked in the front door, it was all glass and concrete and steel that from the street, no one would know what it was. And you could never do this with an older home. You would never find someone willing to let you do it. But his goal was, he said, you know, he wanted to create a modern, beautiful home, but in a neighborhood that fit in perfectly with that, with that revivalist architecture style. And I think it would have, it really, Bob would have done a, it was a cool design that he wanted to make. But um, I do think Charlotte with its growth, you do have, you have a lot of, of new construction that's happening. You do have teardowns, you do have, but you also have the renovations in the Meyer Park type, re, you know, neighborhoods that are just gorgeous old, old homes that, that, are worthy of staying put, you know, from the outside at least. And it's also interesting, like you can have a new home and still have that old home character. It just has to be thoughtful. thoughtful. I mean, this house, it was built in the 1990s. You would never know it. I mean, it has all this old molding and kind of a chateau European style feel. Granted, all of the like hardware is brushed nickel that I'm slowly <laughs> replacing because it was the '90s, and that's what you're doing. So, and for our listeners, you have to pop over to Natalie's Instagram feed, which is home underscore ec underscore op. So h o m e underscore e c underscore op, and you'll see the incredibly vibrant, beautiful space that Natalie is is speaking to us from that I am shocked that it was built in the nineties. I mean, there's so much character and I mean, even the glasswork, like the, the window panes are so intricate. That's amazing that someone did that in the nineties. But to your point too, it's, it's like nothing feels too precious. I don't feel like I'm preserving any kind of nineties architecture, you know, (laughs) it gives you a little bit more leeway to come in here and be like, okay, let's take the good parts. And then the parts that are bad, let's, We'll change that. And I think with every house, you have that opportunity. So it's about what are the good parts? Keep that. What are the bad parts? How can we mix them into this beautiful soup? Have you structurally changed anything in your home? 
Yeah. So the kitchen uh, was very closed off and had a totally different layout. So we opened that up. Um, yeah, I mean, we've changed quite a bit, <laughs> but the actual layout of the house is the same. Do you think that people are starting to trend more from, sorry, Jim, do you think people are starting to trend more from open concept more to dedicated spaces? I think if you have open concept, you still have to have dedicated spaces. Otherwise, it's like being inside a very loud box. And, you know, some of that is just done with layering. And you can, don't have to build walls to have dedicated spaces. There are cool functional design things that you could do, like put up cute little room dividers that function as design, but also give the room a little bit more, you know, defined space. Yeah. How, so, do, you, how do you delineate those spaces visually using rugs or paint colors or what are some of your go-to tricks for that? Yes. All the above rugs, furniture, and even placing the furniture, just not on a wall, but in between. Mm. And then you know, adding a sofa table. So it looks intentional, but you're still breaking up this like right. gigantic rectangle. I mean, I, you know, I think the, you're seeing a lot of people are repurposing, re, repurposing spaces because now you have, you know, two parents at home working and they need home offices. And now you have one, two, three kids who need their own home offices. I mean, wow. is it, uh, God, this world. So I mean, <laughs> On that, I mean, are, you, you say rugs. I mean, what are some things that people could go out and 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 make their space more welcoming and, and functional like that? Just to, you know, if you expand on that a little bit. Textiles are your friend. Get all the rugs. Get the pillows. That is immediate cozy. It will give your room like not that echoey quality, especially when you're at home and everybody's spending so much time at home. Like you want cozy spaces. You want comfortable spaces. Um, and that even goes with lighting. Uh, none of this harsh fluorescent lighting, but low lighting and less focus on all these, you know, can lighting and bring in some of the stuff that doesn't hurt your eyeballs so much. That's my technical term. <laughs> well, thank goodness LED lights are now starting to come out in warmer hues. Yes. Yes. Because there is nothing worse than that cold color LED light. It just immediately makes everything Sad. But it's evidence of, of our new world with LED lights is one of the things that I make sure to tell my sellers is make sure that all of the LEDs are the same color. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. You, you can't mix and match. The range of the range work. of colors is amazing. <laughs> and, yeah. well, and they also, I mean, you know, especially with, with anyone who uses recessed lighting, the people who don't understand, even if you do match color, but you're not matching the, the actual the the spread of the light whether it's a down lighting whether it's it's broadcast lighting oh you can get some funky rooms especially in kitchens with cabinetry and those weird mm -hmm. shadows that get thrown it's it's rather disturbing really yeah lighting is a huge game changer yeah well hey natalie it, it, i i think that at least jasmine could talk about this all day uh keith and i are doing our job our best jobs to uh to hold on to the conversation uh, from a design perspective um great but, but you know so the title of the podcast is, is Sweat the Details. And so, you know, through your world and your lens, what is one detail that you sweat when you wake up every day that you want to make sure you convey in, in, in your life's work? I, I, I've been kind of just 
thinking about this. I think we're all kind of thinking about this in this day and age too. Like what, what are we sweating? I feel like I'm sweating so much recently, but <laughs> part of that is just making these connections, uh, real connections, not just, you know, it's more of like, hi, I miss you. How are you? How are you feeling? Just these real life connections. I can't go and hug someone. So just checking in and bringing that kindness and spreading it around. And that goes not just in my job, in all of our jobs and our personal lives and our families. It's just, it's important to come back to taking a time to just check in. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, Natalie, thank you so much for making the time for us. We uh, really, truly appreciate it. I learned a ton. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. So I'll say thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you all for having me. You guys Thanks, are Natalie. And Natalie, it's been in, it's been great. And I just want to point out to our listeners, you know, if you've enjoyed this conversation, please go to our show notes and we'll have links to all of Natalie's Instagram feeds, websites. Um, her stuff is amazing. As Jasmine said, you really need to take a look at it because it is, it is just, it'll hit you with, with incredible force and, and it's fantastic. So thanks so much for the time. Natalie. And if you're in really the Charlotte area it. and well, need your you. house beautified, <laughs> you know where to go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks y'all. Thank thanks, you. Guys. Bye.